Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a Congregation of Havas Torah initiative. Up until now, we have been progressing by one parak each and every day, including over the weekend when there was no podcast, and I would try to sum things up when we picked up on Monday. Now that we're in Sefer Shmuel, though, I'm realizing that this is not really the ideal pace, uh, particularly for Sefer Shmuel. This is a learning process for me, and so I think going forward, what we're going to do is progress five days a week and then pick up on Monday where we left off on Friday. I know that this has some trade-offs, and I appreciate that this will be uh, very welcomed by many, but for some, this will not be a welcome change. I welcome your feedback uh, in an email. Uh, let me know how this works for you, but uh, I, I hope that it's the right decision for the majority of people, and particularly in terms of how we're dealing with Sefer Shmuel. I think this is the program that's best for Sefer Shmuel, and so that's how we're going to proceed. That means that today we're picking up with Perek Yud Zion. Perek Yud Zion is the most iconic Perek in Sefer Shmuel, certainly. It's the story of David and Goliath, David and Goliath. The Perek opens with B'nai Israel about to do battle with the Plishtim, and the two armies are camped on adjacent mountains when Goliath comes to the B'nai Israel, and he says, he gives them a pretty good offer. He says, look, rather than us fighting and, and spilling a lot of blood, why don't you send someone to fight just me, one-on-one? And if I win, B'nai Israel will be subservient to me, and if, if this person wins, then the Plishtim, we, will be subservient to you, B'nai Israel. And it's, it's a good option. It's a great way to avoid a lot of bloodshed. The problem is, no one wants to fight Goliath. Because he is massive, he's huge, and he's a, an incredible warrior. He's covered in, in, this, um, in, in this very um, strong armor that covers much of his body. And so nobody wants to fight him. And the fact that no one from B'nai Israel is willing to step forward reflects very poorly on B'nai Israel. We look frightened and weak. And Goliath makes matters worse by cursing B'nai Israel and then cursing the god of B'nai Israel. So... It's a, it's a dramatic and it's a scary moment. And then the story kind of pauses and we learn that David was back home tending his father's flock. We learned, parenthetically, that David spent some time with Shaul and some time at home. So he's, during the, he's now during one of those periods where he is back home. And David's father decides to send him to the military encampment of B'nai Israel to go and bring provisions to David's three older brothers, or three of David's older brothers, who are there fighting uh, at Shaul's side. David arrives at the camp, and he overhears Goliath making this same proposal, which he would apparently do, uh, has done, would continue to do, perhaps daily. Uh, and, in, and with that proposal, kind of making a mockery of B'nai Israel. David then inquires further, and he learns that Shaul had promised that any man who would kill Goliath would be handsomely rewarded, including being able to marry Shaul's own daughter. So you see that Shaul is rather desperate to try to resolve the situation. And at this point, David's brothers notice that David is kind of inserting himself into these affairs. And uh, his brother is quick to tell him off and to say that, that David is being irresponsible and that this is not his place and that David must only be here to satisfy his own curiosity and a desire for entertainment. And so his brothers really dismiss, uh, dismiss David here. And one gets the sense from this encounter between David and his brothers that they're not just concerned for David's well-being and they feel like he's too young to be at the battlefield, but one gets the sense that there's real resentment uh, between David's brothers uh, directed towards David. Rabbi Bazak notes, Rabbi Amnon Bazak, 
he notes that this story is meant to echo another story in Tanakh. Where else do we have a father send a young, uniquely special, gifted brother to go check up on his older brothers who are not so happy to see him? Yes, bingo. This is quite deliberately constructed to resemble the story of Yosef and his brothers. There are, in fact, many other parallels between these two stories, both on the narrative level, kind of the broad you know, uh, um, contours of the actual story, and also on a literary level. There are literary allusions to that story. And I think that the literary allusions, the, the, the general allusion to that story, is meant to um, alert us to a similar dynamic present between David and his brothers, as was present between Yosef and his brothers. David, of course, was chosen by Shmuel and uh, not his brothers, and he was chosen in front of his brothers. And we seem to get a glimpse here of a, of a sense of animus that is, uh, that is uh, directed towards David as a result of his being selected in the place of his brothers, which is an interesting insight. Moving on in the narrative, as we know, David decides that he can can handle Goliath. He wants to he wants to go and fight him. And he tells Shaul, who he knows well, right? We know from last parak that he's been serving Shaul. He tells Shaul that he wants to go and to fight Goliath. And initially Shaul discourages David. He says, David, you're too young. The Goliath's been a, a fighter his whole life. He's this he's this warrior. He's this huge person. He's this hulking individual. And so Shaul discourages him. But David insists and he said, No, I've I've killed uh, big animals, wild animals, in order to, p- to protect my flock and Hashem, so I have the experience. And also, Hashem will be with me, uh, just as he was with me then, he'll be with me now as I take on Goliath. So David expresses a, a, a great sense of faith. Shaul says, very well then, but at least take my armor. And David tries on the armor, uh, but decides ultimately that it doesn't suit him, that he, he can't move well within it. It's not, it's not for him, and so he takes it off, and he goes and proceeds to fight Goliath without the armor. As we know, he selects the smooth stones, and he takes his, his uh, slingshot. But before we move on to the fight with Goliath and how the, the story progresses, I think this moment is worth really thinking about and unpacking, because it, it kind of seems like an odd digression that, that David tries on the armor, but it doesn't quite work. Right? Why is the text telling us uh, about this false start? about something that they tried but didn't work. Why is that important? And I think that it's actually replete with a great deal of meaning. So let's, let's think about this. Firstly, it's a moment of just great dramatic irony. And we know the book of, of Shmuel is, uh, is, is just interested in, in being, it's not just interested in being exciting, but, but one of its interests is in building up the drama and the tension and, and even a little bit of the, the humor in this dynamic, right? Shaul is taking off his kingly garb and unknowingly putting it on the man who will replace him as king. And so as the reader, we feel that tension and that sense of humor in that moment that Shaul is is kind of forfeiting the kingship right now to David. And placing garments on other people is such a loaded gesture. Firstly, picking up on what we were saying before, think about Yosef receiving the ketonas pasim from Yaakov. The, 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 the cult, the, 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 the tunic, the, the multicolored coat that he received from, from Yaakov. And then, of course, later on, we have Paro, who also puts clothing on Yosef when he becomes the viceroy. Or think of Aaron 
uh, was the Kohen Gadol, putting his priestly clothing on his son, who will replace him in that role as Kohen Gadol. Putting clothing on, on individuals is a very loaded gesture in all of Tanakh, um, and I think we see that in this context in a very rich and interesting way. In addition, it is quite telling that Shaul at this point is willing to give his armor to David. It shows that right now he, he doesn't suspect David. He doesn't see David as, as a threat. And so this moment also gives us kind of the pulse of the Shaul-David relationship where Shaul is completely comfortable with David. He doesn't feel the least bit threatened by him and he's willing to you know, sit him on the royal horse, so to speak. He's willing to just, you know, okay, you take my armor and, and go fight. In addition, I think that, it's, uh, that it tells you a lot about David, who David is versus Shaul. It's, it's this very symbolic moment where David is saying, David, uh, where, where David is saying to Shaul, you know what, your armor doesn't suit me. Right? All this uh, fancy, elaborate armor that, that you gave me, I, I don't need it. I'm just going to rely on my faith in Hashem. And so it's a kind of a contrast between David and Shaul as well. So there's, there's so much here in this seemingly unnecessary moment. Let's continue. So David goes ahead without the fancy armor. He picks up smooth rocks from the river and he goes to fight Goliath with his slingshot. Goliath thinks that this uh, kid is a, is a joke and he mocks David. And then David, of course, as we know, ends up killing David with the slingshot, shooting a, one swift rock uh, at Goliath's head. David then chops off Goliath's head, and the nation, feeling emboldened by this incredible victory, um, charges ahead at the Plishtim, who flee, because they're, they're quite afraid. They're, their big, strong hero was just uh, brought to his knees by a, a, young, a young man, and so the Plishtim flee, and there's a, a great triumph here in, the, uh, in this battle for B'nai Israel. And the parak ends on a bit of an odd note. We hear Shaul asking his general, um, the son of whom is that lad who killed Goliath? Kind of asking who is he, but asking who his father is. And then Shaul asks David himself, who is your father? Excuse me, Shaul asks, right, Shaul asks David himself, who is your father? And so it's this kind of strange conclusion because it's as if Shaul never met David, which prompts people to think, Perhaps this parak really came earlier or all sorts of questions about um, how we fit this together. But I think that there's a simple answer here. And that is, what exactly is it that Shoal is asking? Shoal is asking, what's the lineage? What's the pedigree of this David kid? Where does he come from? What tribe? Which is to say, why is that important? It's, it's, it, it, it indicates to us that suddenly Shaul is concerned about David's pedigree and he's waking up to the possibility that David could actually be a threat to Shaul's rule, right? Far from just handing him over the, the, the kingly armor, now, now Shaul is actually waking up and he's saying, wait a second, where's this kid from? And so the parak ends on a kind of ominous note for Shaul, who learns that David is the son of Yishai, a, a very respected individual, Beis Halachmi, from Beis Lechem. Beis Lechem is in Yehuda, and that makes David an excellent candidate for the kingship. And, as we can presume Shaul realizes, it also makes him a great th- threat to Shaul's kingship. That's it for today. Chazak ve'amatz, and happy learning.